In this episode, we tell you how as you're looking for your first real estate deal that you're going to wholesale and make a $25,000 spread without using your own money by getting it under contract and passing it off to an investor, that if you find a vacant piece of land, we're going to hear how Jaron Barnes bought something for $17,000, sold it for fifty dollars the very next day, and how to have and find an agent that can help you value that land so that you're buying something at a discount that you can make that type of money from and why most people don't even do this there's less competition so if you find a vacant piece of land learn what to do with it if you've gotten any value from this podcast please take a moment before we start the episode and subscribe and leave us a review this helps us make more content for you on your path to financial freedom thanks and you're going to love this episode with jaron barnes the deal machine REI Podcast. Everything you need to know to get started in real estate investing. Jaron, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Can you tell us in like 60 seconds who you are, what you do, and what you're about? Yeah, man. So I am honored to be here. Thanks for having me. I am the lead educator at the Land Maverick Society, which is a coaching, training hub of awesome land investors. A lot of people are getting from no deal to their first deal. I kind of specialize in that. And I do things a lot differently in that I actually give my personal cell phone number out to all of our members and I like work leads with them. So I actually call um, like seller leads on the phone saying I'm their acquisition manager and walk them through every aspect of the land business. I also run a company called Virtual Outsource, which is a virtual staffing, uh, well, not staffing agency, but a, a kind of an outsource um, staffing solution for land investors. So where you can kind of think of us like a Pat Live that can do much more than just phone intake. We can do texting, admin, list scrubbing, a bunch of stuff. And it's all outsourced. So we gotcha. Have do you also invest in land yourself? Yeah. yeah so I own a company called okay. I Buy Land. And we're doing the best we've ever done. We're probably set for high six figures this year. If not, we might cross the threshold and, you know, get to that million dollars. So yeah, things are going really well. Right gotcha. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And you actually, how do you find these land deals? How do you find land? So direct mail is number one. There's other methodology, like kind of the more sophisticated land investors will also do some texting um, on the fringes, some people in the land space are doing some cold calling. Pretty much what happens first is you got you wholesalers like kind of trailblaze and then we follow in suit. Like, so if, if, uh, with the marketing techniques. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, most people listening to this podcast, they're, they're wholesaling, they're looking for rundown properties. So what if they see a vacant piece of land? What, what would you do? So it's a very similar process to wholesaling houses. So if we saw, uh, if they were driving for dollars using the deal machine app, you would send them a letter and somebody would call back. You'd run comps, make an offer. Um, I, there are some people who do some assignments and double closes to like developers and stuff, but the biggest difference is that our end buyer is normally a retail buyer. And in my model, I always sell through a land specialized real estate agent. So we always take title to the properties that we buy, but we take title and then turn around and resell it. Gotcha. Okay. So how do you know when you're looking at land, let's say you send them a postcard and they do want to sell it, like just, just like a wholesaler would, right? Let's say they call back on that postcard. 
how do you know like how much you should buy that property for? Yeah, so running comps can be pretty nuanced in land. That's one of the main reasons why in my model I uh, recommend using a local land specialized real estate agent. And there's a big difference between a local land specialized agent versus like a regular realtor who just does houses. But if you can get really good at finding these agents, they really help you figure out uh, comps and due diligence. I mean, obviously about 70% of the time through online resources like Zillow and different data service providers, I'm able to come up with an offer, but 30% of the time comps are just inconclusive because land is a little bit all over the place. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. Gotcha. Well, okay. You threw me a curveball there because when we're wholesaling real estate, we're not using realtors. We're actually making offers on discounted properties ourselves, not using an yeah, agent. So, so when you clarify, find an off We're making offers ourselves. But the agent helps yeah. us determine what market value is so that we can figure out what our okay. offer amount is. What's in it for them? Why would they do that for free if they're not making a part of the sale when you're it's buying? Because when we sell, we exclusively sell through them. So they get a listing on the other okay. side. Can you wholesale land or do you actually have to always close so on it? Wholesaling, if, it depends on what you mean. If you're meaning assignments or double closings, then yeah, you can, but that not through an agent. You would just turn that to like a developer or uh, or okay. like a timber company in some circumstances. But gotcha. more often than not, we're taking title to the property, closing on it, and then turning around and reselling it. Similar to the way that simple wholesaling okay. uh, in, based in Indianapolis. That, that's how they get it. Right. You you actually, we met when you worked at simple wholesaling. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that in a second. But I just wanted to finish the thought on land, why do you guys actually take the property down? Why do you buy it yourself? And where do you get the money? Yeah. So we offer, we actually fund all of our members deals up to 250,000 per acquisition. Um, we have in-house funds. We have a fund manager named Andrew Haney. He's also the co-host of my podcast of at Land Maverick podcast, what have you. Um, so the reason why is because one, we're so dependent on using land specialized agents to figure out comps and help us with due diligence. They do a lot of work for us on the front. I've literally had agents go out and stake property for um, like percolation tests and stuff. So like in North Carolina, I had an agent literally go and flag a mock site plan for county reps so that we could like kiss the ring and go through the process of getting a, a proper perk test done. And what is a perk test? A perk test is a percolation test. So if you have a property that is not on city sewer, you need to see if it if the soil is porous enough to support a septic system. And so and okay. that's kind of the process. And so that obviously comes in and in, into the value of the land, right? Because you can't put you can't build on it, can't put a septic system on it, it might be worth exactly. less. Exactly. Yep. Substantially less. It would kill the deal. <laughs> wow. Things I didn't know about buying yeah. land. Love it. Cool. And so all right. I think that was pretty exciting about land. T can you tell me about Simple Wholesaling? What did you do there when you worked at Simple Wholesaling? Because I know them because I used to live in Indianapolis and they were one of the biggest wholesalers. They do like 300 wholesale deals per yep. year. What, what did you I do I was there? the head of dispositions. So I was the disposition manager. So my job was- So that's yeah. like a fancy word for like- yeah just selling the property, right? They, they, they've got it under contract and now it's your job to sell it for as much as possible to an investor so that you guys can make a spread yep. without, you know, actually buying it, flipping it yourself, but you're still making that spread, yep. which is what most people are trying to do listening to this. Yeah. Podcast. And at Simple Wholesaling, we actually took title too. So the model is very similar. So we, well, occasionally we would have sold You guys would double close. No, no, right? we would take title, close, and then turn around and resell it. Similar. 
Okay. Yeah, and, and so it's very similar to the way that I do the land business. Um, I think the reason why Brett would do that is we would also put our properties on the MLS um, locally. So like that was... Okay, so he, he tried to sell it on the MLS well, and, and you can't really ways. do that if you're... So like, yeah, I mean, but again, we would take title. So we would own the property, close on it, and then turn around mm-hmm. and resell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. And again, why, why did, why did they do that instead of wholesaling with an assignment fee? Because there's a lot more control that you have like on paper with the assignments. I like the least because you have to disclose how much money you're making to the end buyer. Double closings kind of makes it more, um, kind of private. And you, you know, there's kind of depending on the title company, if the end buyer can have the funds or if uh, like, if you can use the funds of the end buyer to, uh, finance the front end transaction between you and the seller. That's a really cool way to do it. Or if you use a transactional funder, that's a cool way to do it. But when you take title, the main issue is you know the working capital. But if you can solve that, you have full control over the property. If I want to subdivide or talking like simple wholesaling, if he wanted to flip a house as kind of an alternative exit strategy, or there was some improvement we could do on it to maximize profits, yeah. that gives us that flexibility gotcha. to do it. Did they... Do you know, did they start that way or was that something they added to their process once they started doing hundreds of deals per year? No. So that was Brett's dominant strategy. So how he even got started in um, wholesaling houses is he bought a property on Craigslist for cash and then was like, well, what do I do with it? I guess I'll turn around and resell it. I think he bought it for nine and sold it for 15 or something. And so that was always his methodology of doing it. He used a lot of in personal funds, but then would also use the backup funders. And that's similar similar model to what we do in land. Gotcha. Let's switch over to being the dispositions manager now. Like what was the best deal that you ever dispossessed? Is that (laughs) how you would say it? Uh, Man, I don't even remember. Like I could tell you more sexier land stories because those are more prominent in my mind. But um, yeah, I, I think there was one deal. There was a deal in Carmel. I think that came from the mailer. And we we bought it, I think, somewhere for thirty or thirty to fifty range, and it sold, I think, for uh, six figures. So that one was one that was interesting. Um, and that's big. That's a big spread for Indianapolis, where the average home price is quite lower compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, most of the time, I think, on average, they were making about uh, like sixty five hundred per deal. You know, running on much mm-hmm. smaller that profit margins right for yeah land. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Let's let's go to your 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 best land deal. Why don't you tell us that? Best land deal. Um, we just had a. I don't know. I have a couple that come to mind. Um, one of them. What that's fun is I had a property in Charlotte County, Florida, that. It was in a scrub jay territory. And in Florida, that's something like local due diligence you have to worry about because it's a uh, an endangered species of bird there. And so you have to pay some obscure nonprofit like 70 grand to develop those types of um, properties. And I saw uh, when the market was just heating up a few years back, I saw comps for around maybe 35,000, but I was very concerned because a lot of times when you have that type of, you know, additional cost that you just don't, you can't get the deal done. You can't get it sold. Uh, so I, I talked to a local agent and there was an influx of people moving. There still is, but at the time it was kind of the beginning of the huge, uh, exodus of California to people to Florida. 
And so there were tons of people that were bringing California money and I called the local agent. So I'm thinking maybe in my head we could list it around 35. My agent said, I just sold two scrub J lots right next to yours for 62,900. I would list, I would suggest you list at that if you want to fire sell it. We sold it a month later for 56,000. Um, and I bought wow. it for 17,500. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a great spread. Yeah. And then there is why do you just have another one too? There was a lady that, that I that I kind of walked like educated through Land Maverick Society. There's a lady team out of Israel. There's two partners. They just got it on two thousand units of mail. They got a property for hundred and thirty thousand. Um and then listed it at two sixty and it's already sold. Um cash in the bank. They sold it, I believe, for around two thirty. So that was very wow. big spread as well. If I had to guess, you do land because most people don't know what to do with it and there's way more opportunity and less competition. Is that right? Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big 80-20 guy. So yeah. what is 80-20? What do you mean by that? So the 80-20 principle it, in summary is like this proven principle that 80% of your output comes from 20% of your input. So you could say it like effort and results too. So like 80% of your results come from only 20% of your effort. And that's a universal law. I thought it was kind of a cute, like nominally interesting principle until I read a book by a guy named Perry Marshall. Um, 80-20 sales and marketing completely changed my life. That thing is literally built in the fabric of the universe. So the reason why life isn't fair is because it's 80-20. And if you're aware of it, then you can capitalize and benefit from it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's so cool. Are there any other aspects in life besides the fact that you noticed land is something a lot of people aren't doing that you can make quite a bit of money at? Is there any other place in your life that you feel like that applies? The 80-20 principle? Uh-huh. Yeah. So everywhere, like uh, in every aspect, um, I, I guess like if you talk about, I mean, I, I'm trying to think through what would be like a very clear example, but it's so... It's literally in everything. Wherever you are spending the majority of your effort on minimal that how do I how do I phrase this? Like the what it means to live a lifestyle of being 80-20 is you're able to quickly you develop a muscle of quickly identifying key points of leverage in every aspect of your life. I would rather, you know, um, man, I'm drawing a blank on good examples here, but when it comes to diet, for example, I really, I'm looking at this diet by a guy named Alex Ramosi and the way that he oh, yeah. does it, he tracks instead of like freaking out and geeking out about calories and, you know, being vegan or paleo or whatever the heck and going all crazy. He's like, I eat 200 grams of protein before breakfast uh, before lunch every day. And then I eat whatever I want and he eats ice cream every single night. So he's not counting calories and freaking out. He's just doing the core thing that moves the needle the most for him to have the physique that he does. And in every, whether we talk about marketing, the reason why I do neutral letters as opposed to, you know, blind offers or other things is because it gives me, like I use color, for example, as opposed to 99% of land investors just use like black and white letters. Like little tweaks gotcha. that you can do are really what give you the the most amount of leverage in life. Music is the same. You're, you know, you could look at if whenever, here's a good example of how I use it in life. Whenever I go to a restaurant, 
I will all, instead of f- trying to figure out what I want to eat, I won't waste the brain power. I'll just say to the waitress, what's the most popular thing on the menu? And then I'm going to go with that because most likely based on 8020, it's going to be the best thing on the menu. Please open up your podcast app right now and leave us a review and let us know what you thought of this episode. It means so much because the reviews help us get in front of more people. And the more people we can get in front of, the more we can help them achieve financial freedom. And we also get more energy to put more content out like this to help you. So by leaving us a review, it will give you more content to come to help you along in your journey. Thank you so much. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it actually, the classical example is like 80% of the wealth is held by 20% of the people. And so if you figure out, um, basically, you do a bunch of stuff every day, that's probably not making you money, right? And you figured out, well, 80% of the stuff that does make me money comes from 20% of my actions. Once you figure that out, if you can cut away the other 80% and just focus on the 20 that makes you money, it'll free up a lot of your time. Well, and a, a real practical version of that what everybody who is a wholesaler should be optimizing for, same thing for land investors, is offer amounts. Like how many, not offer amounts, but how many offers have you made? If you, from a KPI standpoint, if that's all you obsess over, the more offers you make, ultimately, the more deals you're going to have. So do whatever you can to make more offers, and that's going to move the needle. Talk to me about how many offers do you make per week? Oh, my wife runs a lot of the trenches. So I'm going to be cheering from the oh, cool. hip here. Um, but I would, I mean, we are probably seeing five purchase agreements a week or so, somewhere around there. Um, okay, so great. Pro- we're probably to be able to like send out those offers. I would imagine she's probably sending at least 15 to 20 offers a day. So she's sending 15 to 20 per day and she's getting she's getting five per week? Except yeah, that, roughly. I mean, again, I'm shooting from the hips here and it, you know, it might be off here or there, but we're, we have a, we send out a lot of text and we send out a lot of mail. And so for land, land compared to houses is a joke. Like our average in most states to get a deal is like one deal for every 3,500 units of mail. So it's like way. Wait, 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 yeah. hold on. What you get one deal for every thirty five hundred units that you mail? Yeah. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, in land, in most, okay. in most states. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So that the, a beginner typically will tell me if if they're going to quit, they're like, "Hey, this doesn't work in my market." But then I ask how many properties they've added to their deal machine account, and it's like twenty, and they haven't heard back, and so they think it doesn't work because nobody's actually con- contacted them back, and so. If that's a piece of advice I would give somebody who's brand new, it's like you you have to know what your KPIs are. What is somebody in your market doing that is successful? If they're sending 3,500 pieces of mail to 3,500 units, then you need to do that also before you declare that this doesn't work in your market. And so I think that's really fascinating. Where are you finding those 3,500 units? Are you just taking a list of vacant land in certain yep, areas? Exactly. Prop stream, like, uh, uh, prop stream, data tree, or our preferred data service provider uh, is kind of wrapped up in our mail processor. Supercharge offers. Yeah. Um, they're incredible. Yeah. And they can do stuff for, for household sellers. What are you using the filter by? So I like to target senior owners and pre-probate property. Um Senior owners is our, and coupled with out of state can be a pretty strong bang for your buck, like an 80 20. Um, but sometimes, gotcha. depending on like, you know, if it's a new market or if it's a market I know really well, I might just do a wide range and just see what sticks. 
yeah. then double down on what gets yeah. results. And also, obviously, no, 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 nothing built on it, right? So, um, yeah, you you could do you could do that in Deal Machine as well. If somebody has Deal Machine listening to this, you can you can use List Builder to filter pre-probate and also you know the geography that you want to look at, vacant land, and uh, what what was the final thing that you said? Senior um, owners, senior owners, pre-probate, oh, senior owners. yeah, senior owners are yeah. like huge for us. So that that's amazing. Why do you think that is? So I think it might be a couple of things. Senior owners, at least in regards to land, are in a position where they're not able to use the land anymore and they're stuck paying property taxes on a property that they would love to use, but they're just they're not that attached to. And so that that's a big source for deals. Another piece too, senior owners, I think, respond to letters more than younger generations. So I think you're going to, I might see that being a bit skewed, to be honest, because uh, the bulk of what we do is direct mail. But on our texting, I would be curious to see if we have a younger demographic that responds. But pretty much across the board, like we have this perfect storm right now for the land business where we have a housing crisis in the nation and we have a bunch of people moving from certain states to other states. And and yet, at the same time, baby boomers are retiring. And so they have a bunch of property that they thought they might build on someday or that they use recreationally, but they're, they got to get rid of it because now that they're older in age, they might be ill of health or unable to use it for one reason or another. Gotcha. So that makes sense. And I think senior owners are a great thing to target for homes as well, not just vacant yeah, land. I agree. So, Jaron, what is what was your life like before you actually, you know, went on your own and started doing real estate investing on your own? What were you doing before? Maybe even before simple wholesale. Yeah. So my journey is kind of funny, man. I I got started doing like a bunch of nonprofit stuff. I went and lived. I quit like uh, university. I went to my freshman year, and then I like skip this. I'm gonna go pursue my passion and like I was like a superintendent of a homeless shelter where I was telling like 40 year old oh gosh, 19 wow. I was like telling 40 year olds to go brush their teeth and like make their bed it's like super weird <laughs> and uh and then from there I met my wife and I found out that like I got married like really young and I uh, found out that there's this pesky thing in life called bills <laughs> and I needed to figure it out so I from there read a book called The Millionaire Messenger by Brendan, Brendan Bouchard that really opened my eyes to the whole world of entrepreneurship. And then I started- The millionaire messenger. Yeah, it changed. It was That was the catalyst. Most people, a lot of this for real estate investors, it's rich dad, poor dad. But for me, it was the millionaire messenger. And I had some friends that I was close to in the Bay Area that were starting to pursue business. And I actually got a job as an insurance guy for like a month. Like I convinced this guy to hire me without a college degree. And then I went and quit on him like a month and a half in uh, because my friends decided to buy into a real estate program at the time for flipping houses. And uh, it didn't really work for him. Like the markets, the strategies would work for other states, but not for cutthroat Bay Area. But long and the short of it, I quit my job and went door knocking pre-foreclosures in the San Francisco Bay Area. And, uh, and then while I was doing that, I started a little blog to like track my journey and I wrote an article about bigger pockets. And this was back in the day. This is like 2013, 2014. So they weren't what they are today. It was just literally Brandon Turner and Josh Dorkin. And um, the long, they kind of 
one thing led to another. They came to do a presentation for Google, and I connected them to the guy that runs the Bigger Pockets meetups. Ended up getting hired by Bigger Pockets for like a four month period. It was a temporary fill in until they started building oh, wow. their team at uh, in Denver. But like, yeah, for a nano minute, like on a daily basis, I was talking to Brandon and like hanging out with the Bigger Pockets guys. And then from there, I moved to from California to Indy to Indianapolis, and I thought I had to make a call between like content versus like being in in real estate and I chose real estate. I got my my license and then got connected to Brett Snodgrass and went to work for him and then ended up being hired for doing content stuff. So I like ran podcasts and I was the co-host and yeah, it's kind of crazy. And then from there, because I didn't want to actually be in competition to Brett, but I wanted to use my skills as a wholesaler, I decided to start doing the land business. First off, started partnering with Brett and then when I my time finished at Simple Wholesaling, I ventured out onto my own. And then worked for our Amazing. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from telling 40 year olds to brush their teeth to being able to pay your bills with your new wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like you've really changed your life. Yeah, man. Real estate's amazing. Uh, uh, yeah. God bless America. <laughs> so to wrap things up, what would be your tip for somebody who's looking to get their first deal that's looking to actually improve their life, maybe be able to pay some bills that they need to pay through real estate investing? I think the most... The biggest thing is you need to eliminate the noise. There's a lot of distraction and a lot of things that will make you feel like you're actually being productive towards your goal when you're not. Listening through a course or you know, reading articles online might feel productive, but it's not. What's productive is sending out mail, buying deal machines, subscribing, and then like hitting the getting in the car and going driving for dollars. Like it's taking the action that will actually lead to the result. Going back to 80-20. That's what it looks like. So for example, I always tell the people I work with, the three core skill sets of a land investor boil down to just these three things. We're experts at running comps and due diligence. We're experts on talking to motivated sellers on the phone and making offers. And we're experts at finding, vetting, and managing land specialized agents. For an eight-hour workday, those are the three things that we should be doing over and over and over and over again. Everything else is a distraction and noise and should be outsourced or automated. So if you really want to get to a deal... Get rid of all the distraction and figure out the core thing that's going to actually get to you getting that result. I love it. Producing revenue generating activity, focusing on revenue generating activity, not getting distracted by those things that aren't going to get you there to that next dollar that you can put in your bank account. Yep. 100%. Great advice. Well, Jaron, where can people actually find you? Land Mavericks podcast. Check that out for sure. Yeah, landmavericks.com. And there's going to be something that I will send you at a later date. I got to get the URL set up, but I'm going to give people just a little freebie uh, audio download. Oh, what's the freebie? I love that. So it's going to be uh, an audio recording of what it looks like to canvas for a brand new localized land agent because that's kind of a nuanced skill. And so it's a recording of me and an agent. And if anybody found it, we'll find that helpful. I will have a link for them in your show notes. But landmavericks.com, also virtualoutsource.io if you're looking for good real estate, uh, virtual outsourcing. Again, it's not, we're not staffing. We, we pretty much handle all the hiring, firing, training, all that stuff in-house. So you don't have to, you just tell us what you need done and then we get it done for you. So amazing. Thank you so much, Jaren. I really appreciate having you. Yeah, man. It was an honor and a privilege there. Thanks for listening to the deal machine, real estate investing podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.